BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey there, welcome to the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is a columnist, commentator, essayist, and critic of the left and advocate for America. And I think that's what a lot of our listeners like about him and an advocate for improving America. So we're going to talk a little bit about a very specific city today and all of the politics and culture around it. And that is San Francisco. But first, let's take a few moments for some messages. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. I would like to remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. We're going to talk about San Francisco and the people associated with San Francisco or some of them formerly associated with San Francisco. Um, but Victor, I just want to see how you're doing today, as I always do. I hope that California is looking beautiful this morning. Yes, it is. I came home, I hope, from my last interstate speaking. I was in Oklahoma City with some great people, wonderful people. And then I everything was going smoothly till I went to Denver and there was slight snow and it paralyzed the entire airport. <laughs> but oh, no. uh, I started at um, two o'clock and I got home at uh, almost midnight two o'clock my time. So it was about a 12 hour trip, but yeah. California is, it's beautiful, but it's, we've had this promising rainstorm and then we kind of went zilch. So we need, we need a big snow and rainstorm, but otherwise yeah. it's good to be back and I'm going to try to stay put. Yeah. So let's turn then to that city of San Francisco and uh, things around it. But before just a few words, since Biden just recently took a visit to China. I was wondering if you had any of reflections on on his China visit. Well, I mean, people pointed out all of the stumblings and incoherences and frailties he looked like on the stage. Yeah. And then the, I mean, North America looked pathetic when you had Trudeau bragging that he had talked to 
Chi, and then Chi <laughs> approaches him and dresses him down like he's a little schoolboy, you know, points his yeah. finger. Don't ever do that again. Do not disclose things in private conversations. It was just like a third grade teacher telling a little, you know, I don't know, nine-year-old, straighten up. And that's, Good thing he and didn't have a ruler. Is. Yeah, he's a man. He's a man dash child. He's a he's a punk, a Trudeau. He's a disgrace. To, he really is. He's a joke. And Biden is, as I said, non compos mentis at eighty. So North America, and if you look at the Marxists down in Mexico, Alvador, the whole continent is poorly represented. The new yeah. world, the new world, the hope of the old world, supposedly. He looked a bit sleepy and pale. That's the things I was rec- Wait, noticing. Wait, Biden, Biden? Yeah, Biden did. Absolutely. Uh, compared to what? <laughs> compared Let, to everybody else in the camera's view. Yes, but I mean, when you say he looks sleepy and pale, you mean compared to less sleepy and pale than he usually appears as? <laughs> he's, You're right. He's... he's, he's uh, this is very funny because the Democrats are, are, are full of themselves after the election, but they have some existential problems that they created. And it's called a president who's getting into very dangerous territory because he's completely cognitively challenged. And then they can't get rid of him because they they virtue single after George Floyd that they would only pick Biden would an African-American woman. And they got Kamala Harris. It didn't get one vote but did call Joe Biden basically a rapist and a racist and his wife can't stand Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And then lurking behind the scenes is Ron Klain as this conduit. He's like a circuit breaker box and he's got juice coming in from Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, maybe the squad, but especially the Obamas. And this whole system is not transparent. So when Biden says, I'm supposed to call on these you know, reporters, you get the impression they've already sent. I shouldn't say that. They've confirmed they've already been given the question. So then other reporters say, well, wait a minute, this isn't a press conference. So the whole thing is scripted and it, they're full of hubris because of the election. Even though they lost the election nationwide, it didn't matter. But f- f- almost four or five million voters uh, by a, a margin of four or five million voters went Republican. It's just that they didn't they weren't in strategically placed districts. And uh, so there's things to be optimistic about, and especially when these investigations start. And I think uh, there's going to be some bomb, to use the left's term, bombshells, and walls are closing in disclosures about the Biden family. But we have to wait. We don't want to be like the left and just shoot, you know, jump the gun and scream and yell what's going to happen. But I think there's going to be some revelations happening. And I think Anthony Fauci is going to nicholas wade had a good essay he's the new york times uh, medical reporter that was unfairly dismissed for by a bunch of students who said he was politically incorrect but he has a piece where he he shows that anthony fauci should not have been in any discussion about the initial revelations that there were possible theories of a lab lab leak given he was compromised by routing money through Echo Health to fund gain-of-function research. So he was completely biased and involved and prejudicial. He should not have had any say in where the origins of the uh, virus 
um, were to be found because he was okay. implicated, in it, yet he did. And he's going to face, he has a rendezvous with Ron Paul. I wouldn't envy him for that. Yeah. Well, let's get closer to San Francisco here. I guess their most prominent citizen is Nancy Pelosi. I don't know. Maybe some would argue about that with me, but um, she has announced that she is um, stepping down from the leader of the Democratic caucus since she's no longer the speaker. All right. Do you have any thoughts on that? Woman is 82 years old and she's got her senior moments like Dianne Feinstein, who's I think 89, has her senior moments like Joe Biden does. But in a larger sense, think about these people all preach to us about diversity, diversity. I live in a state that is 48% Hispanic, and there is no middle class to speak of. It's got the highest poverty rate in the United States, 21% of the population, 27% of the population do not live, were not born in the United States. We have about 40% of all the homeless people. One third of all federal recipients of welfare, our state recipients live in this state. And here we're represented by a multi-millionaire, Nancy Pelosi, and a multi-billionaire, Dianne Feinstein, and a wannabe grifting millionaire, Gavin Newsom. And we were represented by Barbara Boxer, who's now down, I guess, somewhere near Palm Springs as an agent for the Chinese government. And so these people all preached on diversity, but what were they? They were all wealthy white people who leveraged their office and contacts to become fabulously wealthy. And they all lived within 50 miles of each other as far as maybe the same zip code. And they're emblematic of a very corrupt corridor a $7 trillion market capitalized corridor from San Jose to San Francisco. And I can tell you that ground zero is Menlo Park, Palo Alto, Sunnyvale, uh, Google, Facebook, Stanford University. And think of that. It, we can get into it in a bit, Sammy, but that gave us some pretty amoral people who were cloaked with this very, very thin moral veneer that they were caring, they were progressive, they were going to rate, they were going to do good for them. They were going to do better for themselves so they could do good for the progressive cause. And we'll get yeah. into Mr. Bankman Fried in a minute, probably, but yeah. there's something terribly wrong with that whole nexus. It's just media. Yeah left-wing politics, big money, insider advantage in politics, all concentrated in this dying San Francisco area, Bay Area. Yeah. So speaking of Sam Bankman-Fried, what a appropriate name Bankman or the non-Bankman maybe. But I I don't I confess I don't know that much about cryptocurrency. I know that he contributed, he he made billions and he contributed millions to the Democratic Camp, um, campaign. I know that his parents are either Stanford professors or yes, no, they are. Yeah. They are, and he got a Stanford education. Is that no, right? No, no, he, didn't. he did not. He didn't. Oh, okay. He, but go he ahead. Did this. Yes, he, his professors, prof, law professor Bankman and law professor Freed, a married couple, were Stanford very hard left progressive. They were very vocal, and they represent that nexus I just talked about of being tied into Silicon Valley and uh, being very, very left wing. And he went to MIT, but he was prepped at one of the most exclusive uh, prep schools in Hills, Hillsboro, just, you know, minutes away from Stanford University. 
And what did he do? He didn't make anything, Sammy, not one penny. What he did is he set up a 21st century electronic Ponzi scheme. And his name, Bankman, will be our century's version of Ponzi. To do a Bankman will be an old Ponzi scheme where people bring in money, then they're siphoned off, and no one knows what's going on until the people who are siphoning off uh, take too much, and then some of the people who are giving in stop giving in, or they want their money back, and then it collapses. And so... $40 billion. He wasn't worth $40 billion. There was only there was about $11 billion that was put in there. And then that juiced the price of his company, the market capitalization, supposedly. But it was, I think the other $30 million was theoretical money. And he went from $40 billion, supposedly, a network to zero in a matter of weeks. And then what happened to the $11 billion? That was real money. That, that wasn't just real money in the abstract. That was people's lives. That was institutional investments. And he went down to the Bahamas, this left-wing person, remember? This guy is very left-wing. He's our moral superiors. And he went down to uh, the Bahamas, and he had, what, this polyamorous, you know, I guess you call it that, where he had men and women all living in this little Sybarite uh, mansion and to avoid taxes. Very left-wing people, remember, like John Kerry or Al Gore, they love to avoid taxes but they want others to pay them. And then he, you know, he got caught. And I, he, he basically said to, I think it was a Washington Post reporter, or maybe it was an Atlantic. They asked him about all this stuff he said about virtue. You know what I mean? I want to give $5 billion over my life. I've given $40, 50000000000 billion to the Democratic Party in 2022. I gave $5 million. I'm the second biggest donor. To, except for George Soros. And what, what was that all about? And he says, you know, <laughs> I think he's used the word. <laughs> he wrote H-E-H-E, as I remember. And he basically said it was a dumb game. And uh, I feel bad, he said, by the guys that get F-U-C-K-E-D by it. I mean, the people that we screw over by, you know, he said, you know, we wokesters, woke people, we say all the right shibboleths, and then everybody likes us. In other words, if you virtue signal, virtue signal, diversity, equity, inclusion, green, 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 transgender, then that's a cloak for criminality. And what do I mean by a cloak? That means that the federal regulators, where was the SEC? Well, they thought that this guy, they were in a Democratic administration, and they were told, apparently, keep your hands off this guy or work with him. Because he's our biggest cash cow since George Soros. And then the media wrote all of these things that were embarrassing about how great he was. But he was a 30-year-old slob who dressed in rags <laughs> and played around like he was some kind of Einsteinian figure. And he was a pathetic person. And he represents a toxic, pathological profile. And he's not the first person that emerged out of that Stanford Silicon nexus. Remember Elizabeth Holmes? Remember her? Oh, yeah. She didn't do the slob routine with the cutoffs and the and the sloppy shirt and the frizzy hair. She did that Steve Jobs dressed in black. Huh? Remember that? Like Steve Jobs used to prance on the stage all dressed in black. So she copied yes. that with the blight blonde hair. And she was the, also came out of that nexus. She was a Stanford student. He grew up in the Stanford campus. And she 
what? She fooled people to give. She got every luminary in the Stanford nexus to go on that board. I won't mention their names. I know some of them. And they basically said, this is great. You're going to get one drop of blood and you can get a complete printout. And there were people that were very distinguished. John Yanides, a brilliant immunologist at Stanford, said, I'm sorry, that's impossible. You can't take you need a bigger sample than one drop to find all of these different variants. So she faked the results. She got people to pour in billions and then it collapsed. And why did they do that? Because she was passed off as a left wing Steve Jobs. We're all in this community. We're all better than these stupid deplorables. We're hip. We're Silicon Valley. We're Stanford University. And it was just like Bankman. And if, and yeah. That, that's and didn't, what they that, do. didn't that blood drop method kill a bunch of people in it Arizona? False, I think it they... gave false positives and false negatives. And there were people with diabetes who were, may have died uh, because they tried it in a Walmart in the American Southwest. And there were people who got yeah. incorrect results and as a result took medications that were very dangerous. And that's not the only proof that I'm adducing. Look at Mark Zuckerberg. He's in that same nexus. He wears, he doesn't do the black uniform. He doesn't do the slob routine. He does the tie dye. Remember the Mm, flip, flip flop, the jeans, the tie dye, just one of the cool people. Well, he's laying off thousands of people this week. Bye. See, you. wouldn't want to be you, but he just gave $419 million in 2020 and he channeled it in through, I think, nonprofit organizations, which probably meant that they were tax exempt, which meant that he could write it off. And they absorbed the work of registrars in key precincts that got out the vote and probably flipped a lot of very critical states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona. He did that. 419. And he also worked with the FBI to suppress stories, i.e. Hunter's laptop. He's confessed that. Yeah. And so you see the same nexus. Everybody, Molly Ball, I keep running that that essay in the ground. Everybody should read it. It's a complete blueprint of what the left did from suppressing BLM Antifa protests to organizing Wall Street uh, to get the corporate people on board, to get the money from Silicon Valley to change the voting laws. All of that, all of that comes out of this sick society. And he so we don't say that Mark Zuckerberg is a buccaneer, a cap, you know, a pipe financial pirate worth billions of dollars who uses it to basically warp the U.S. election system because he's left wing and he wears tie dye shirts and he's one of us and he gives money to the Democratic Party and he works with the left wing FBI. And so we give him a moral exemption about things like you're a monopoly, Mark. You're a cartel. You destroy other companies. You bought over 200 companies. You're a 19th century robber baron. We had tr- antitrust laws just for people like you and Google and Apple. And so he gets an exemption. And then, you know, I could go on and on, but look at Tom Steyer. He ran for president. I think he spent $190 million and got one. No, he got zero delegates when he ran for president. He was on the Stanford Board of Trustees. He was Mr. Green. He pledged to give all billions of dollars uh, to green causes. What did he do? He made his money doing what? Being in a financial investment firm that did what? 
promoted dirty coal burning in Asia among third world impoverished nations. Hey, you guys, you need electricity? We're going to give you money if you build dirty, smoky, planet-heating coal plants. And we're going to make so much money off that investment off you that we're going to be able to not worry about you know, any of our personal needs. We're going to have mansions and private jets. And at that point, we're going to tell everybody that what we made money by is a sin. And none of you other people can do it again. That's what he did. And so this is what they do. And they preach to everybody and they act like they're not materialistic and they're worried about the homeless and the transgendered and the planet heating up and diversity, equity. That is all a veneer, all a veneer. It means nothing. And I'm going to, I, you know, I, I just found this quote that I was ranting and he said, literally, Bankman Freed. Yeah, ha ha. I had to be. It's what reputations are made of to some extent. I feel bad for those who get effed by it. But this dumb game we woke Westerners play where we say all the right shibboleths and so everyone likes us. Think of that. Wow. I know. How cynical, man. That's... Yeah. I mean, he's he laid it out. And his mother, as again, she was the head of this dark money organization in Silicon Valley. I thought being a Stanford law professor was a full-time job or maybe lecturing everybody on campus how amoral they are was a full-time job. But apparently it's not because she headed a huge group. And what was the purpose of this group? It had one purpose and, you know, one person purpose only. It was to go to Silicon Valley billionaires and tell them, you're so busy that we can find the causes, the candidates that you should give to the hard left, and then we won't disclose your money. It will be dark money, stealthy money, and no one will know that you are finding all of you're funding all of these left wing ideas. I think it was called Mind the Gap. And it was basically Silicon Valley dark money funnily secret funneled secretly to the right causes. And where did some of that money, that operating capital come from that she started out, her seed money, probably from her son? And which begs the question, will young Bankman Freed and law professor Freed and law professor Bankman get together now and apologize to the people whose lives were ruined and say, you know what? We're going to give back all the money that we transferred out of the cryptocurrency account that was your money, not ours, your money. We were the guardians of, and were trusted to make sure that that return came to you as other bought in our Ponzi scheme, bought more cryptocurrency. But we put it out into Alameda Investments. And I don't know how many billions of dollars, but they they funneled a lot of that money. And that's where the money that was not crypto money. It was real money. That's where they funneled it to media. They gave media money. They gave politicians money. And they gave his mother money, apparently. And she's resigned now from, quote, unquote, mind the gap. But it's yeah. exactly what Molly Ball outlined when she bragged how clever the left was in getting dark money from Silicon Valley. So just to sum up, if you think of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, and you think of this crazy 
I guess you call him, is it, they call him SBF, Sam Bankman Freed. Yes. F, yeah, his FTX Bitcoin empire. And you think of characters like Tom Steyer, the coal magnate who now is a Silicon Valley green guru. And they all have the Stanford University connection. And then you add into the matrix, the zip code matrix, the multi, multi, multi-millionaire Nancy Pelosi worth of reported $200 million plus. How do you do that when you've never had a job outside of, of government, except your husband is getting all of his information fed to him with so there's her. And then Diane Feinstein has a Chinese chauffeur for what, nearly 20 years, who is a Chinese communist spy, why her late husband was a huge investor in China and worth over a billion dollars. How do we get this whole thing? And I think the answer is that no one gets a pass and you're always judged on your integrity and to the degree you follow norms and legal precedents. And when you don't, you're a criminal, or you have a conflict of interest, or you're an unethical. But these people understand one thing. Number one, that area has more money than anywhere in the world and any time in civilization's history, given this globalized tech revolution. And number two, they understand that the media is left-wing, the federal administrative oversight state is left wing from the IRS to the CIA, CIA to the DOJ to the FBI. And all of these corporations are left wing. And the more they talk, as Mr. Bankman Freed confessed about all the progressive causes and all the wonders that they're doing, the more greedy they can get, the more money they can get, the more they can laugh at everybody, they more, the more they can preen, and they're completely exempt from audit. And yeah. final thought, isn't it funny that we're learning all this after the midterms? You're trying to tell me we didn't know this thing was going to collapse until the midterms were over? Was it people in the SEC didn't know this or were they told not to say anything until the midterms were over? This was the November surprise. The October surprise was that, you know, Paul Pelosi was attacked by a crazy mag, MAGA influenced enraged person. Yeah, or at least a white supremacist of yes, some sort. <laughs> so, some sort. But the November surprise was, remember how they left works? The fake story that's going to change the election comes right before you vote. And then the embarrassing story like Hunter's laptop that should have come before the election. You don't find out that to wait after the election. So we didn't find out what Mr. Bankman was up to and who he was funding and who got the 60 million this 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 round until after the election. And then we found out that he was basically a Ponzi con artist. Yeah, And he really hit it, man. When you see pictures of him and you see that he had all these girls and guys and they were in the tax avoiding Bahamas, they had a mansion, they were kind of like a Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein uh, love nest. Uh, I think one of his partners who was from Stanford, uh, Miss Ellison, was bragging about her ventures into polymorphous sex. And they were really the young hipsters. And they wow. they ripped off so many people and they don't yeah. care about the damage they did to people's lives. Yeah. And, you know, this is just it, it's here, you know, speaking in the San Joaquin Valley, I was talking to an electrician 
uh, I won't ma- mention his name. He's a wonderful guy, Mexican-American guy. And he was telling me how hard he worked and put money into his 401k for every every check he put money in. And now he had over $100,000. And he was telling me that this was going to be the the nest egg for a new home, maybe for his daughter, maybe for himself. And then when this whole stock market sort of went down by 20, you should have seen him. He was just, mm-hmm. wow, they just took all, the, did they just take all the money, Victor? I said, well, we, if you don't know how it works, and I don't know how it works, and you don't know how it works, then we're just prey to raptors. We don't know how it works. And sometimes, you know, it, it should, in a transparent society, show that investments reflect eco- economic robustness or, you know, anemic economy, and we play a little bit of risk. But within parameters, we don't get wiped out and we don't get fabulously wealthy. That's what we believe in. Then this guy comes along and says he's worth $40 billion, this ignoramus 30-year-old slob. $40 billion, and he knows enough to give it to the right people that would put him out of business, i.e. federal regulators, or the media that would run exposés. To the very bitter end, they were telling us how virtuous he was. Mm, yeah. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break for some messages and come right back and we'll finish up on SBF. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're back. And Victor, I was just going to let you, if you have any more to say about SBF, and then we'll move on to some other topics in San Francisco, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, he had this, he, he was bragging that he had created this new idea of uh, altruism. What do you call it? He called it effective altruism. Let me just look. I, I, found, I found this article that by one of his admirers, and it said, can I read it? It just says, he was harnessing the enormous wealth created by FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange that Sam Bankman-Fried had founded. They undertook a project to spend potentially billions of dollars on pandemic prevention, a long-neglected priority on Capitol Hill, even amid the coronavirus crisis. I don't think it was long neglected. We put $4 trillion into it. And then she continues. This is a reporter. It's Gaga over Mr. Bankman Freed. The plan, drawn from the brothers' adherence to a philosophy called, quote-unquote, effective altruism, sought to maximize philanthropic giving in ways that can have the most impact. Well, you had a lot of impact, Bankman Brothers. You destroyed a lot of people's lives. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah, effective. That must mean put it in the right places and he won't get blamed. That means he <laughs> caught up. That, that means he's uh, modeling his law professor, virtuous, wonderful, moralistic mother, the Stanford University professor, mm. 
creates this dark money. I guess you call it dark money. She goes to Silicon Valley and she says, you know, you guys are so busy and you're so wealthy. What you need is somebody to mine the gap. And that is me. And I will pick and I'll pick the people who deserve the most millions. And then you get you just give to them and we won't tell anybody. Where's Jane Meyer, the New York investigative reporter, who's always talking about the Koch brothers? The Koch brothers, to in comparison with these fortunes in Silicon Valley, even their 30 or 50 billion, it's nothing. They don't have 100 million. There's not five or six Koch brothers with 100 million. No. These people, I, I can't even talk about it. And, you know, when I leave the farm and I drive up there, somewhere around... Hollister, I start getting nervous. And then as I start getting closer to that campus and to that El Camino Real and Menlo, just something happens to me because then I go eat by myself and I see these people, this arrogance and this smugness. And, you know, I just, you know, and the not only the thing that is, is striking is these people are very, you know, they hate capitalism, but they're capitalists. Mark Zuckerberg's going to throw thousands of people out of work. Yeah. And, and Elon Musk is going to have to. And Apple, they're all going to lay off people as the, the economy slows down. And yet one people, one person could say, well, why didn't you just take $250 million and don't give it to the Joe Biden nexus and just give it to severance pay packages or something? Or keep, you know, 100 employees on for three years. But it's the idea that we're going to make, make the maximum profit. And that will hurt a lot of people that we lay off. And then out of that maximum profit, we can help a lot of people. That's yeah. a weird compartmentalization of virtue. Well, you know, now that you mentioned Elon Musk, I had a, another semi-topic of, of the people who have left uh, Sil Silicon Valley and the Bay Area. Um, he is probably the most notorious. And he left when he was still considered kind of left wing. He wasn't this right wing icon that he's kind of become now. Um what are your thoughts on all of those companies that um, have gotten out of, especially San Francisco, the the um, pharmaceutical, not pharmaceutical, the far, um, pharmacy businesses, yes, well, grocery uh, yeah. stores, et cetera? Go so ahead. when you look at that, the way to, to ask that question, what tell, Tesla moves and Twitter's going to move, Hewitt Packard's moved, they're all moving. So you ask yourself, what would make a person stay? So you have this workforce and they're going to pay 13.3% income tax. Say some of them make 500,000 top executives, right? So they're going to pay a what? $100,000? $100,000 a year for what? 48th in schools? Highest crime rate in terms of property crimes in the United States and San Francisco? can't walk down Market Street, fly over the bay, and you see these brown effluents coming out of the rain gutter system, which is human species, uh, smash and grab, carjacking, revolving door, ch Chelsea, chase a Budin's uh, criminal justice system we had. What, what would be, what would make a person want to stay there? Uh, the beauty, yes. But the beauty's even been tarnished. So people are leaving. They just say, you know what? I can't 
I can't park my car without having it broken in. And I know the person that breaks in, there won't be anything. I go to Walgreens and it's shut down. I go to a Rite Aid and I can't find anything. It's all under lock and key. And if Paul Pelosi and the Nancy Pelosi can be attacked in their mansion, supposedly a secure bunker for wealthy, most third most powerful person in the United States, then everybody is vulnerable and I can't do business here. Maybe I'll just go to Austin and I'll buy a new Carvette every year. Ha ha. Well, that's how they think. And yeah. so they're leaving and they're leaving and they're leaving. And I don't think the housing price has collapsed yet because psychologically people think the price will always stay high, even with the high interest rates. Or these people keep their homes as investments or they come back and do business. But California is going to have a rendezvous finally when this bubble breaks because it's not based on anything. It's I'll give you an example. Four years ago, they raised the top rate to 13.3 income tax. They said this would be temporary. And they got a huge, a huge surplus. And Gavin Newsom, because he was the recall and he was running for election, then he was running, he's running for president. He started giving it out. Uh, we need 500 million for all the illegal aliens who are dealing with COVID. Now they need it. Not you poor working stiff over there who's a clerk at Walmart. No, no, it's illegal aliens. And then we're going to give, we're not going to have any new refineries. We're not going to have any new fed, uh, state leases offshore or in Bakersfield, but we're going to give people some money to buy gas so that they can afford the 650 a gallon gas and on and on. And now we're projected to what? A $35 billion deficit. So what do you, if you're him, what do you do now? Do you go to Silicon Valley and say, please don't leave. We need your capital gains. Don't lay off those Twitter, Facebook, Apple employees. They won't pay taxes. And you know, one or two percent of California residents out of 40 million people pay half the income tax and they're leaving. Or does he say we're going to go up to 15 percent? Get rid of them. We want, you know. And so I don't see I don't see what would he have to do to keep people to stay here? You lower the go, taxes. And, yeah, but and you'd have stop to go the from, crime. <laughs> you say lower the taxes. It's not 8%, which is too high. It's not 9 The top rate's 13.3%. So you'd have to go all the way down to 6%. You'd have to take the statewide average of sales tax down to 6%. It still Mm. wouldn't be that great. And then you'd have to get the public schools up to, you know, 30 rating. And you'd have to get the the crime rate low. And what are you doing? You're, You're electing Karen Bass? As mayor of Los Angeles, far right, semi-Marxist, it's crazy. Yeah, but can I insert something about that? What that it's their agenda to destroy capitalism. So this is the perfect scenario for them. I know it is, but when you say that, it's predicated on this. I'm a George Soros type person that loves chaos and anarchy and making people I don't like who are grubby middle class people aspiring to my moral superior wealthy status. I want to destroy them. They lack the romance of the poor and the culture of my class. Okay, I get that. And I am protected 
because I have so much money. My kids and grandkids go to prep schools and I have security patrols and I have homes with bars on the windows and I can go to all these nice places and lock communities along the California coast. I can go to Montecito. I can go to Carmel. I can go to La Jolla and I can go to Pebble Beach and they keep the riffraff out. That's what they think. But when you try to destroy the the economy or the very traditions and mores of a of a civil society, are you really exempt? Are the Pelosi's exempt? No. That nudist hippie, communitarian, BLM, Antifa, flag flying nut found his way into the Pelosi. I don't know how he found his way in, but if he can get into their house, anybody can. And so nobody's safe. And, you know, just to show you what how this leftist mentality is affecting people. I drove in town, this my local community. I went to Home Depot again. And there was a line, Sammy, of 20 people. And there was one register open. And there were about nine registers. And there was a huge outdoor entry and the entry is huge, and there were four automatic machines that are usually packed. And then there was a garden section that has a huge door. And guess what? The garden section was closed. All of the automatic checkouts were closed, and all of the traditional checkouts except one or two were open. So I said to the clerk, this is ridiculous. Why are you shutting everything down? And you know what she said? I can't tell you, but it's theft shoplifting. We can't control it anymore. Then they have, you know, little sensors. So people go in, if they need to get a weed blower, they just take off knobs or whatever part they are, or they strip off the code and it's mass theft. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go in here anymore, but I have to go get a razor because I'm going on a trip. So I'm going to go over to the local Rite Aid. It was closed because it's being refurbished to be more secure. So I said, no problem. There's Walgreens. I went over to Walgreens. <laughs> it looked like Folsom Prison. Everything was locked up. So I said, I need to, all I need is a razor. Can you please unlock it? That took 10 minutes. Everything is locked up. This is a rural town. This isn't San Francisco. We have become a nation of thieves. We really have. And yeah. it's, it's a breakdown. America used to say, we're not like the third world. We have corruption, but it's at the high level. But the definition of a third world country is that corruption permeates down to the mordida level, the little bite level, so that when your your federal official comes out, he's crooked. When you go into a store, there's common theft. Things don't work because yeah. nobody follows the law. And now the United States is getting to that point all because of this progressive ideology and the elite that felt that this would be a chaos would the more chaos, the more social change, the more egalitarianism, all to be orchestrated by a small protected elite that would never be subject to the consequences of their own ideology. And now I think they're starting to learn that nobody gets out alive when you destroy the system. Nobody gets yeah. out alive. And I think that's perfect, too, because usually I listen to people talk on this subject and they stop at the moral issue of criminality. And it's 
that's important, but it's more that it completely destroys the economy. You can't do business if criminality is allowed to go on, theft at a you know at an extraordinary volume, right? So, uh, Victor, why don't we go ahead and take our last break, and then we'll come back and a few stories about the Asia, uh, the Asian community, and and then two grocery stores that have to close down at least temporarily. We'll be right back. We're back, and I would like to remind everybody that Victor has a website. It is victorhanson.com. Please come join. Um, we have subscriptions for $5 a month, and you can test out the waters with that, and then also subscriptions for $50 a year. Um, we implemented, we had a lot of requests to do something besides PayPal, so we do have a new system or a, an alternate called authorize.net. So you can pay by credit card through authorize.net as well. So all of those who had to stop um, their subscriptions because they didn't want to do PayPal, please come back and uh, try us again with authorize.net. So we welcome everybody back. Victor, I, I did a little bit of research for this um, episode and I came across the story of and, and this is in a San Francisco paper, so it's San Francisco nice, right? Of a rodent infestation closing down a, down a mission district, uh, grocery store. And then it had to confess that it wasn't the first one because there was an infestation. So very strange and dirty cities of San Francisco. The, the, what struck me about the article was that it said, um, this happens from time to time in the food industry. And so taking it as though it were the norm or the exception to the norm, right? Yeah, or part should, of the norm. <laughs> they should have said this happens from time to time in the food industry in 1350 London or 1420 Paris, but not in the 21st century. I can tell you there are cities in the United States, mostly in red states, where it does not happen. So yeah. what, what we're that's a good example though, that as Thucydides the historian said, there is a very thin veneer of over-civilization. And it takes centuries to create that veneer. And you rip it off. And what's underneath is not Rousseau's, you know, everybody's in chains and we just we has to be freed, or your sixties mantra, we're all gonna live in a commune. No, what's believed is human nature is beneath that veneer and that and nature is beneath that veneer and rats eating food and people defecating on sidewalks and epidemics. That's what's beneath it. And so what it requires is everybody 24 seven being civilized. You follow the law, even if you disagree with the law, you clean things, you make sure I just flew on a flight, two flights. And there was a war between civilization because on the one hand, there weren't enough, there weren't enough people, attendance not showing up, uh, the de-icer people not getting there, somebody not knowing how to use the sky bridge. And on the other hand, there were brilliant attendants and people in the airline. They were telling the truth. No, I, I know you heard that your flight will be on the, you know, it'll be boarding in 10 minutes. Sorry. Sorry, it's going to be an hour at least. 
So there's always a war between civilization and anti-civilization. And when civilization wins, then people act mannered and polite and lawful. But you lie to them or you put them under enormous stress or you let nature take over. And it's pretty ugly what happens. And San Francisco is a test case. It's pretty ugly. It's not clean. It's not health. It, it's not healthy. And it's not safe. And people who have money know that and they take the necessary precautions and they have the money uh, to protect themselves. But the rest of the people, they're on the cutting edge of barbarity. They're they're Romans living on the banks of the Danube and the Rhine. They're not down in the Po Valley. I'm sorry. So they're on the front line. And yeah. it's sort of tombstone 2022. And yeah. we're getting to that point. And the, that was the tragedy of the midterm because there's a mild check on these forces of progressive license, but not enough to be, as I said before, you need a large margin to refute it. And I'm culpable because, as I said earlier in a podcast, I thought, given Joe Biden, you know, statistically, if you're 40 percent, 40 to 43 percent, you lose over 40 seats in your first midterm. If you're above 43, you lose 25 and up. He was 39 in the Reuters poll. So I thought, well, he'll at least, according to tradition, he'll lose 40 seats. His first team midterm, I thought, well, is Joe Biden as charismatic and as dynamic as Barack Obama? Is he on top of things? Is he beloved? Because Barack Obama in his first midterm lost 63 seats. And guess what, Sammy? I found out that if he gains, that he only loses seven or eight, that he was 10 times the dynamic leader that Barack Obama was in his first midterm because he had none of the losses of Obama. I call uh, people in government. I, you know, I called people in government and I thought, wow, Trump is blowing it. He's making fun of DeSantis to turn off all of the DeSantis voters. My God, he's going to announce his, he's winking and nodding that he's going to run. It's going to take attention. And everybody said, it doesn't really matter. Look at the Trafalgar poll. Look at the inside advantage poll. Kerry Lake's up by nine. So there was, a, as I said earlier, there was this delusion that was really tragic because we lost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to stop this right now. You give us that Senate, 52, 53 senators, there's not going to be another left-wing judge appointed for two years. And you give us the House and the Senate, and they can pass legislation and force Joe Biden to veto it. And maybe after the third veto, they were going to get embarrassed. Democrats who had been wiped out and said, you know what? I'm going to vote because next time it's me that's going to hit the, the red wave. And that didn't happen. And so we talked about it ad nauseum, but it was a, it was really tragic because people basically, even though the nation, what is, I said, the Republicans 53% to 47, five or 6%, they had uh, the margin of victory, but it didn't matter because it was localized election. And, yeah. and now the left thinks that they have a, uh, they're very hubristic. I think they're going to have a rendezvous with Nemesis, but nevertheless, uh, people didn't, you know, they voted on fear and they didn't want semi-fascist, uh, un-American MAGA people around them. And they wanted 
the ability to abort a, a baby on the last day of birth. That may be, that's what they voted for. Yeah. And so everybody's going to live with the consequences. And the consequences are not going to be not going to be good. The system that we're living in is starting to break down at the very fundamental level. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm kind of prejudiced because I'm retiring from out-of-state air travel. 69, it was time, but I had went out with a, I can't say a bang with a bust. I took all of these flights, and it was incredible. I thought, I'll always take the morning flight because the plane came into Fresno the night before. So what could go wrong when the plane was asleep? <laughs> they started up in the morning. Uh, sorry, we got some glitches. Next flight. Mm-hmm. Sorry, they can't load the passenger list and the baggage list onto their computer to send to us. But five <laughs> minutes, 10 minutes, I thought, wow. Sorry, we have a little problem with the sky bridge. So the whole system doesn't work and people are no. not following the game plan, so to speak. And, no. and yeah. uh, it's it's really tragic because I'll just that is this what people died in Okinawa for? Is this what people died at Shiloh for? Is this what people in the Great Depression were risking their lives, you know, on top of who were down? Is this what people were doing when they were building the Big Creek project? Was it all for this? And what's even weirder about it is the people who are destroying the country feel that they're the moral superiors of the people who built it. I don't know if you can comment on that, but they hate a particular group that they feel is responsible for all of their wealth and success. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And you know what? Just to finish this off, um, I doing research, speaking of hate, a particular group, I came across this article in a the I think it's just called the Berkeley News. So it's a Berkeley newspaper, and I believe it might be the college newspaper because it referenced all these academics in Berkeley to sort of back up their some of their statements, but some of them were very, um, you know, it reminded me of reading bits and pieces of Mein Kampf, where he has this weird, strange binary world between the Jews and the Germans, right? But here's, I'm going to give you a quote from it, and then you maybe you can um, comment on it. At one point, it comes to a conclusion that says, though white men as a whole remain dominant across the society, the scholars said their widespread feelings, there being the white men, their widespread feelings of loss and insecurity are linked to deep psychological reactions, a sort of bitter nostalgia, a sense they are being cheated and left behind, a growing conviction that they must take justice into their own hands. And I just read that myself and I was like, wow, that really sounds strange, you know, talking about their psychological state, et cetera, when there's nothing to back this up scientifically. So take take justice in their own hands, like 120 days of rioting, BLM and Antifa, where they burned or destroyed $2 billion in property, were responsible for 35 deaths, 1,500 police officers injured, Arson, 14,000 people arrested. That was what? Not taking justice into their own hands? Come on. And then anytime anybody talks about a collective, that's a boomerang statement. 
So when these professors say white men, i.e. A to Z, right, they mean what? The guy that's uh, working in a coal mine in Wyoming? They mean the guy who's on his back all day in Dayton, Ohio, as a mechanic? They're not talking about Nancy Pelosi. They're not talking about Sam Bankman Freed. We're talking about the lower white middle class. Okay, all white people. Well, then that invites the same. Everybody then becomes a collective, right? Mm -hmm. So then somebody would say, okay, African-American communities, 70 percent of births are illegitimate. There's over 8000 people being killed by African-Americans, mostly African-Americans. In terms of hate crimes, that that community is double its rubric in, in the population. It's committing twice the hate crimes of any other person, any other community. If you want to talk in collectives, I don't like talking collectives, but since they do, it boomerangs. Or that yeah. community of black males between the ages of 14 and 30, which is about 4% of the population, they are responsible for about 52% of the rapes, the aggravated assaults, and the murders. Is that what is that then? If these white people are insecure and they're, they've done all these, what is that? Or who's coming across the border? The first thing they do is to break the law. The second thing they do is to break it by residing in the United States. And often the third thing they do is to get an improper or illegal mechanism to break the law by residing here. And then when you say white people, who is he talking about that did all this damage? Was he talking about Dwight Eisenhower, who led the Normandy invasion, and destroyed fascism in Western Europe? Was he talking about Alexander Graham Bell, who, who did the gave us the phone or Edison electricity or Tesla electricity? Who are all these evil people? If you're so evil and they're so bad, why don't progressive communities Try to do the following, Sammy. They need to get investigative research committees. They're scholars, you said. And they're going to say this institution is polluted by white people. So they we're not going to use electricity. We're not going to use gasoline. We're not going to teach physics. We're not going to do sophisticated surgery. We're not going to teach foreign languages. European languages. We're not going to have constitutional government. We do not believe in this Western idea of freedom of expression that existed nowhere else. We're going to get rid of all these white toxic ideas and we're going to replace it with what? Just tell me the Chinese uh communist paradigm. Maybe you can. These people think it's so bad. Try to go to liberal Japan. That's a Western country and not be Japanese and just say, you know what? I'm the only black person, brown person in my entire Japanese community, and I want to run for mayor. See how far that gets you. Or go down to Mexico with blonde hair and blue eyes and say, you know what? I'm really a Mexican now. I want to be a Mexican citizen, and I want to thrive in Mexico. See how that far that gets you. Mm. Just try it. Or be Chinese-American and go to Nigeria and see what happens. But I, I can answer you on the 
you know, what are they, they're trying to destroy the the culture, but they not, they don't want to destroy the culture. They want to keep it. And then they want to foster a lie that it, the white men didn't have anything to do with it, but somebody else of some other race all created this culture. And, and, and that's why down. they lie all the time, They just but they can't. So they're going to just lie and they're going to control the presses and, and, the, and the universities and schools, and they're going to keep fostering this idea that the white men were bad and everybody else was good. Well, all they have to do is show the data. Just show me that this this industry, uh, I don't know, we can take the car industry. Just show me that the minority of people uh, demographically were white people who created the car industry that we all use. Or let's take theoretical physics that saved us in World War II and kept us alive during the Cold War. Just show me that these uh, marginalized groups were the the people who really did that because they're mm-hmm. talking in collectives. I know, no, you're, I know you're right that they're doing that, but there's no evidence of that. doesn't mean that non-white people didn't make c- contributions, but they have a disconnect logically because they say, well, this country was 97 percent white. And until 1965, it was 90-10 white. And then they're just losing control because now they're only 70% and they're really angry. And so, okay, so where, why is the country so great? Is it because suddenly it's only 70% white and you don't want any of the institutions in the past, but you use all of them every day? How can they be good if they were white? If you say that... If you're a racist like they are and you say the racial legacy or ancestry or composition of a person who does something is all it counts and the white is toxic, then don't do it. Just say it's a white thing, you know, and I just got back from town the other day and the number of people who are not white who had blonde hair was staggering. I would say one out of every five women I saw was not white and had blonde hair. Am I, is that cultural? Why would they do that? Why would you want to look like a white person? Because if you wore dreadlocks, they would say you were culturally appropriating the black experience. So what I'm getting at is when you have this diversity, equity, inclusion, dash woke movement, and you start collectivizing and stereotyping and generalizing everybody as a cog in a racial wheel, period, that your primary identification is race, it's it's essential, not incidental to you are, then you live with the consequences because what you do is you green light every other tribal Yugoslavian-like mess and the balkanized mess to do the same. And you do it because you feel what? You're superior or you're entitled to reparation. I don't know why you do it, but you're not consistent. And whether you like it or not, this country was built not on traditions that came from China, not traditions that came from the conquistadors who conquered the Southern Hemisphere, not on tradition, some of them, but not all, and not on traditions that came indigenous to Africa or Native Americans. It came out of a Western idea of freedom of speech and expression self-criticism, self-critique, constitutional and consensual government as symbolized by federalism or republicanism or democracy, 
private property, free market capitalism. And I don't see any menu anywhere in the world like that. And you put it all together and you get something like Western Europe and the United States, Eastern Europe now. And all you have to do is say that it was the paradigm that gave not everything, but that gave us the Enlightenment, the Renaissance, the Industrial Revolution, the Scientific Revolution, the Tech Revolution. And a lot of people that were not part of that paradigm maybe contributed, but that was the paradigm. And mm -hmm. if you want to find another paradigm, look at China. They have a different paradigm, although they've stolen much of the Western paradigm in terms of economics. Or if you want to look at Africa, they have a different paradigm. Latin America has a different paradigm. But all of them are globalizing, and globalization is not Chinese. We're not emulating the culture of Uganda. We're not all becoming like Peru. It's a Western paradigm of high-tech, fashion, hyper-individualism, sort of decadence. It's a Western paradigm. So nobody is forcing you to do that, is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Nobody is forcing you to do that. So what this is, is empty, meaningless rhetoric from a bunch of well-off professors who mouth off virtue signal performance art to enhance their antithetical careers. They say, you know what? I've got a nice place in Berkeley. I've got a stainless steel refrigerator. I've got a granite counter. I've got wood floors. I've got a funky Victorian. And I'm a, I'm against this horrible system that gave me all this. And therefore, I might get more of it because <laughs> I'm going to really excel in academia. And I'm going to make sure that everybody has to take a diversity, equity, inclusion oath. And I'm going to monitor that. And I'm going to be yeah. really cutting edge and get rid of the SAT test, make it really meritocratic. And then I'm going to give everybody C's in my class called equity grading. No, I'm going to give everybody who earned a C, a B or an A equity grading. That's what they do. It's all centered on their self-aggrandizement and their careers. It yes. really is. Yep. I've watched them for 40 years. I saw, saw them at the Cal State system. I see them at Stanford University. Yes, they're not to be taken. They're not serious people. They're really mm. not. All of us, this, they say one thing from eight to five, but you follow their trajectories as they go home. Just get on a bike one time and ride around the Stanford residential community. Look at where they live. Look at the cars that they park. Look at the this sophisticated uh, Tony up fashionable little costumes they wear when they hike up and run every morning by the Stanford Linux, uh, the big radar dish above Foothill. Just look at that. And you tell me they're Maoist revolution. They're not. Yeah. Well, I think that what what bothers me is they create the small mindedness that I found in this article as a cover, and it's very influential in elections. I think that whole rhetoric against white men, you know, in this case, it said white men rebelling against democracy, but white men, whatever. I think that 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 cut some of the margin off of that red tsunami that was supposed to happen. Yeah, that it never did. did. It was because and I think people believe it. And that's just so. It's, I think the Republicans, I think the Republican conservative movement said the economy is in the ditch. Inflation's out of control, worst in 40 years. We've just 
handed away, gave away, destroyed energy self-sufficiency. People have to determine whether they want to buy good food or fill up the tank. The border is non-existent. We've lost deterrence. Nobody in their right mind would want to continue with this. So therefore, we're going to pick up 50 seats. And so what are they going to say? What are they going to say? Are they going to say, we let in 3 million people? We'll let in six. Hey, man, we stopped Anwar. We can stop all of the oil drilling. Hey, we got up to 8% inflation. Spread the wealth, Obama said. We're going to get up to 10 to value the money in the money bag's hands. Crime. Well, crime is a construct. We're going to let you out in one hour, not eight hours later after you hit somebody over the head with a hammer. They didn't say any of that. Instead, no. they, they said, what did they say? They said, insurrection. Democracy will die. Your kids will die. They're going to let every woman die who can't get an abortion. They're going to kill her. Paul Pelosi was attacked by a MAGA. That's what happens with these insurrectionists. They're semi-fascist. They're un-American. And you know what? If you've got a marijuana conviction, you're going to get amnesty. If, you, if you've got a lot of money and you were forced to borrow money to go to school, you're going to get an amnesty. And everybody in the right said, <laughs> but he's so stupid. That's not the issues. You can't buy people off with these little trinkets. They're hurting and you're right. People that worked. That's they what they, voted they just, against. yeah, they just have to buy the margin off. They don't have to buy. No, they, else they, they, Joe Biden said white, 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 this white man, this, this insurrection deplorable. What they're doing. And when you look at the long term trends and you look at the voting that happened in Florida and you look at the exodus from Illinois and New York and California, and you look at the disasters of Los Angeles, and San Francisco, and Chicago, and Portland, and Minneapolis, and Baltimore, and Washington, and Detroit. They have destroyed huge American iconic cities. They've taken a blueprint that nobody wants to live under unless they're completely dependent on the government are they're hyper wealthy and they can't be touched by their own ideology. And they're sending millions to red states. And these are people who are going, if they don't go to Florida, uh, Colorado, or maybe Jackson Hole or something, they are conservative. And so their paradigm is galvanizing people as a an antithesis. So there's a lot of people who are saying, you know what? I don't want to be stereotyped, but these people have slandered and smeared and lied about America's origins, its maturity, its current history, its tradition, its moral mores. They, they're racist. They've called me all sorts of names, and I'm going to band together to stop them. And that's what they're creating. These tribalists don't understand that the, the this is human nature, what it is, it's volatile and they're lighting matches and gunpowder and they don't understand that they're going to, they have a lot of people who don't like them. And these people are very calm and they're very rational and they're very nice people and they follow the rules, but you keep pushing them. If you're Joy Reid and you keep calling them racist or you say racist, 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 if you're Joe Biden, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, they're going to say, what the hell? What do I have to lose? 
they're not going to be racist because they are not racist. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to push back. And they already are pushing back. And you know how they're pushing back. Just all of the institutions. Think of it, Sammy. You go to the Oscars. Nope. I haven't watched the Oscars in five years. Tonys. Nope. Grammys. Nope. Super Super Bowl halftime show. Skip it. NBA game. Wouldn't touch it. Sitcoms on TV. Nope. Not late night comedy. Maybe Gutfield. Nothing else. Hey, let's go to the theater and see a Hollywood movie. Wouldn't dare do it. What's the New York Times and Washington Post say to never read it. Network news. Let's listen to NBC. I haven't heard it in 10 years. That's what's happening. And now we're getting into the mainstream corporations like Disney. Okay. Disney's, if that's what Disney's going to say and that's what Disney's going to do and that's what Disney thinks of us, we're not going to do it. And so what the left has done with a minority of the population, they have iconicized statue toppling, name changing, cancel culture, boycotting, ostracism. And it was all predicated on the idea that the majority culture could be defamed and lied about and would not react. But if that mainstream culture pushes back, that's a powerful narcotic. And you saw it with the Reagan revolution for a while. And they don't like to push back. They just like to Part of their problem is they just like to, you know, live and let live. But keep pushing, keep pushing, keep lying about them, keep keep slandering and smearing their tradition as American. They will finally push back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Victor, we're at the end of our time today. Um, I'd like to thank you for everything. I think what we see with San Francisco is I hope it's not a microcosm for America in the future. I hope that things change, but it certainly has some of the strident features of what seems to be ahead of us. I don't know what well, you I was, think. I was in Oklahoma City yesterday, and it's not San Francisco. That's reassuring. I can <laughs> That's reassuring. All right. We'll take that. All right. Thank you very much, Victor, for your words of wisdom. And thanks to our listeners for listening. And thank you again for everybody. Yep. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hansen, and we're signing off.